Welcome to Chief Evangelist. I'm your host, Ethan Butte. I'm on a mission to explore and understand the role of the Chief Evangelist and the movement behind it. How should founders, investors, and C-suites be thinking about it? How does it benefit the company? Which companies and markets need evangelism most? What does the work involve? What does success look like? And who's a good fit as a chief evangelist? That's what we're exploring at chiefevangelist.com and in conversations like this one, which is brought to you by Ringmaster Conversational Marketing and their evangelist-powered podcasting package. Learn more at ringmaster.com. Today, we're learning from the chief evangelist at Huntress. He's also the co-founder of Hacker Valley Media. He's got a passion for podcasting and a deep expertise in cybersecurity built through years of experience in organizations like Netflix, United Technologies, and the U.S. Marine Corps. Chris Cochran, welcome to Chief Evangelist. Thanks, Ethan. Happy to be here. Yeah, man. I I'm was so glad that you reached out as you were kind of exploring this Huntress opportunity and, and they were exploring it with you. Want to figure out, like, is this the right fit? What is this all about? I love your story. I'm super excited to get into it, especially for your, um, what I'll just say, your expertise in shows in general, like production, production value, et cetera. Uh, but you know where we start, Chris. We start with the most important job of a chief evangelist. What do you think that is? Yeah, I've been thinking about this for several weeks at this point. I would say the most important job of a chief evangelist is connecting people to information that's going to enable them through story. Love it. Super concise. I can tell you've thought about it. So <laughs> let's break that down a little bit. Uh, at the risk of starting with the easiest and asking the obvious, why is story so important to you on the end of that description? I would say story is the most important thing that humans have. Uh, I would say story is that ability to convey information, but then tie it to an emotion that enables that to be burned into your brain, right? You get information overload every day, all day. But when you can tie it to an emotion, whether it's evoking inspiration or even laughter or even making people think introspectively about themselves, when you can tie information to emotion, that's when things kind of set in your mind. Absolutely. I appreciate the way you did that. I think the kind of the truism that we've heard for years is that facts tell stories sell, but you got into the mechanics of it, which is that it it leaves some kind of emotional impression with so much of our mental activity being sensory and emotive. That is the way that it really sticks and takes hold. One more word in there that jumped out at me because um, you closed the connecting people to information loop with the story description, enable. Talk about how mm -hmm. important it is to enable people in this role. Yeah, it, I mean, it's really all about enabling. When you look at some of the greats, right? You had Guy Kawasaki on talking about enabling people, whether he was talking about Apple products or Canva. It's really about enabling people to either do more, think more, be more. Uh, I think evangelism is about that at the end of the day. Love it. Change, transformation. And then kind of what I heard in the way you described that was even evolution. Mm -hmm. um, okay. So Huntress this is just such an interesting scenario. It's one that we haven't quite heard because the way that I heard you describe it to me is that they had been looking for a chief evangelist for some period of time and they were struggling to find it. So tell me that story however you like, uh, and then we'll kind of like get into the layers of it from your side and from their side. Uh, but start, start wherever you like with that story. Yeah, I would say one of the hard things about 
people that are in that chief evangelist role usually are there are folks that have been in their career for a long time, but then they also have the ability to tell stories or to create, to speak, to communicate, and they like interacting with other people. And that isn't always the case in cybersecurity. Cybersecurity practitioners, a lot of them are very introverted. Believe it or not, I'm, a, I'm an introvert. I kind of border on ambivert a little bit, but I would say that finding someone that not only understands the, the position of a cybersecurity practitioner, the, the headaches that they go through, the stress that they're under. Uh, one of the things I like to say about cybersecurity practitioners, they're like mental athletes that have no off season, right? They're fighting attackers every single day that are trying to outsmart them. They're playing chess all day long. And so I was like, you know, that's one of the, the core tenets of being a cybersecurity practitioner. And so how do I help cybersecurity practitioners? And I found that I could scale through story, through content. And that's really what began uh, this journey for me to become a chief evangelist. Love it. So um, to the degree that you understand it, why were they searching for an evangelist? What, from their perspective, to the degree, again, that you, you talk through it in, in agreeing to join them, um, what were they looking for in uh, creating a, the role in the first place? Like what need or opportunity did they see to say, you know what, let's put an evangelist at this. One thing that I've really appreciated about Huntress is that they really care about the community and they've always wanted to have additional ties to the community, whether it's through education, they put out a lot of free content. Uh, they even hired a, another person that is pretty much a, an influencer in our space, John Hammond. He's got millions and millions of views on YouTube. And he was really focused on the bits and bytes of the cybersecurity practitioner. He was the one that's kind of doing the reverse engineering of, of malware. He's looking at different hacks and attacks that uh, cybersecurity practitioners need to be looking at and, and dissecting. But they wanted to go another step further, right? They needed someone that's going to be able to speak to uh, practitioners that are leaders, right? Uh, chief information security officers or directors and VPs, the folks that are helping to lead these missions at these companies. And so they thought that, you know, how are they going to find someone that has the background in cybersecurity, knows how to create content and build community and wants to do it. And so it took them a while to find me, but uh, they did. That's awesome. And was it all relationship driven? I mean, that's a theme that we've heard on the show is that mm -hmm. um, very often the role itself is created when you know, an organization and an individual seem to find each other in some way. And it mm -hmm. turns out that way. In this case, the organization already had the vision for the role and was just searching for the right person that has this blend that you you nicely described is um, I can ha hold a, a meaningful, valuable conversation with some degree of credibility and authority at all levels of a cybersecurity of a cybersecurity function in an organization. And I can also connect, speak, teach, write, podcast, et cetera. Mm -hmm. um, for you, um, I assume it was, how did you connect with them? I'm sure it was a personal relationship and networking type scenario. It was, it was a personal relationship. So uh, Kyle uh, Hanslevin, he's the uh, CEO of Huntress. I actually met him. So I've, I've had a few companies in my day. Uh, my very first company that I founded uh, was Ashler Cyber Solutions, and, and it was decently successful. I was headed to one of the big conferences for cybersecurity. I think this was probably around 2014, maybe 2015. And uh, I was sitting next to a guy and he's like, oh, I'm also uh, an entrepreneur as well. 
And uh, come to find out, he's an entrepreneur headed to Black Hat, just like I am. And he was telling me about the early days of this company called Huntress. And we had just stayed in contact ever since. And we had had some conversations about uh, working together in one way or another. We had done some content together. And then uh, I reached out to him because I wanted to get plugged back in to the community in a much more appreciable way. I love creating content, love doing interviews and, and creating uh, things for people to enjoy, but I wanted to get plugged back in deeper to the the community, which basically raised me in my career. I love it. I, I think we'll get in. We're going to walk this out for folks listening. Where I'm in my head is that um, what Chris just separated was the idea that Hacker Valley Media, you're creating tons and tons of content, but you also wanted to bring it to life and immerse yourself more directly in a way that isn't quite as mediated. Did I hear that correctly? That's correct. Uh, not as mediated, but then also, uh, this is probably important to bring up because this is the crux of why I decided to be a chief evangelist, is the thing that I was starting to see is I've been at, at big companies, I've been at small companies, but a lot of the solutions, the technology, the services, they're really geared towards enterprise level clients. So you're the big, big ticket item, companies, the ones where you can sell your solution and make, you know, a couple million dollars, right? Because it's easy for them to, to write that check. But there wasn't a lot of information. There wasn't a lot of solutions or companies gearing towards the small, medium-sized businesses. They were basically left to fend for themselves in a lot of situations. And what's really difficult about that is that all the attackers, the advanced persistent threats, the nation state level attackers, they used to ha have to kind of pick and choose who they were attacking. But with the advent of automation, with the advent of uh, artificial intelligence, now they can attack everyone all at once. So now you have these really small companies that are having to defend themselves against really, really talented attackers. And I think that someone had to sort of stand up and talk about that situation. I love that. And so that's what you're stepping into as chief evangelist at Huntress. Correct. Love it. I love your empathy for that situation. I think anyone who just heard what you said would have to empathize with small business owners everywhere. It's like quite a daunting thing. Um, let's spend a minute in Hacker Valley Media as a foundation for taking a lot of your interest and experience in cybersecurity and, and stepping that up into content creation, right? Is that like kind of the gap um, that, that, that filled for you, like you had a natural affinity for creating content and at Hacker Valley, you and the team that you built, um, kind of fulfilled that mission from a production standpoint. Yeah, it was almost kind of like a full circle situation. I mean, uh, my mom, she was a storyteller when I was a kid, uh, she used to tell these stories off the top of her head. And I always thought that, that was cool. And it almost, I don't know if it was genetic. I don't know if it, it was training, but I was able to do that as well with, with my children. And I've always been addicted to stories and movies and, and everything in between. And I got in, when I went to the United States Marine Corps, I got into a really technical uh, field of intelligence. And uh, I, I was like, you know, I really love technology. I love computers. I thought I was going to build Terminators one day, but that didn't happen. But I went ahead and, and continued my career and got into cybersecurity. And I thought, you know, wow, I'm in cybersecurity. I don't get to tell stories as much as I'd like, but no big deal. Uh, lo and behold, I got into a field of cybersecurity called threat intelligence, where we are telling stories. We're taking disparate 
pieces of information and trying to tell an entire story to give context to a cybersecurity organization. Say, hey, this is what's going on out there in the world. Uh, these are the steps that you might be able to protect yourself. There you go. Uh, I Around the time I was at Netflix, I was living with my good friend, Ron Eddings, and uh, we said he had a whole setup for educational videos for cybersecurity. And uh, he said, hey, let's hop on, a, on the mics and just have a conversation. We had no idea that we were starting a podcast at that point. So we're sitting there, we're having this conversation, and we just kept hitting record every single week, every single week. And we started to refine what that was all about. And then we realized that, wow, there's like a huge space to, to tie technology, to tie uh, personal growth and development, productivity, and storytelling all in this realm of podcasting. One podcast turned into multiple. We ended up creating something like 12 different shows for different uh, segments in technology and cybersecurity. We went from there. We created a web series called Techly Divided, uh, which ended up winning a few awards uh, this year. And then now it's like, all right, now that we have this like understanding of how to tell stories and really touch people, how do we bring that back into cybersecurity on a deeper level to bring about change for our industry? So good. How, uh, just talk a little bit, because we haven't had this conversation yet on this show. I'm a huge fan of podcasting. I love the format. It's been so critical to my own learning and growth. It's a privilege mm -hmm. to meet and spend time with you. And it wouldn't happen because I don't know very many other people in cybersecurity besides Dr. Eric Huffman, who I work with here at BombBomb. Yeah. Um, and, uh, and so- I'd love for you to, because I think I think it plays an important role in evangelism as well, because it's just a great place, I think, for an evangelist to be either as a guest or a host right. uh, in most cases. And we haven't had this conversation before, and you're deeply, deeply experienced. Give some advice for folks that are maybe on the sidelines of podcasting uh, from a hosting standpoint. They maybe have an idea. It's maybe half-baked. They don't know a lot mm -hmm. about podcasting. They may or may not have a budget. Just provide some general advice for someone who's been maybe thinking about starting a podcast in terms of the why and maybe a little bit of the how and maybe things that you learned early on that you would yeah. never do again. Right. No, I, I love this question. And first, I got to say thank you to you, because as soon as I realized that I was entering into this chief evangelist role, I went through every single episode of the chief evangelist podcast. And I mean, it really helped me in a lot of ways. It helped me verify the the beliefs that I, I held that I didn't really have any data to back it up. But then it also gave me a lot of tidbits that I didn't even think about. It really shortened the learning curve for being a chief evangelist. But when it comes to podcasting, the, the place you have to start, and this works for podcasting, this works for TV, movies, this works for being a chief evangelist is really starting with the audience. Like, who are you speaking to? Because if you don't really think about the audience, if you say, I'm going to do something for everyone, then you're not going to really speak to anyone. You have to find who is that, that audience, that, that perfect persona that you're trying to speak to. Once you understand that is understand like, okay, what is the, the value that you're going to provide to that audience? Whether it's entertainment, if it's information, if, it, if you're combining them with edutainment, what are you trying to convey? And then use your uniqueness, use your, your, your background, your experiences to then convey that information. I get people to reach out to me all the time. And it's like, 
oh, there's just so many podcasts on cybersecurity. Oh, there's so many podcasts on true crime. But honestly, if you bring in your own personal experiences, your own quirks, your personality to that same material, you could have someone that's looking at the very same script, but it'd be applied very differently because you are an, a unique individual. And the more you can dive into who you are as a person and really understand who you are when you're creating content or podcasts, uh, the better it's going to be on at the end of the day. And the final thing I'll say about podcasting is just don't give up. Just don't give up. A lot of folks give up on podcasting because it does sound simple in the, on the outset. You think, oh, I'll just hit record and have a conversation because I have great conversations all the time and I'll send it out. I have 10,000 downloads on day one and we'll just keep it moving. But that's not the case. Uh, and quite often, you're going to speak to not a lot of people in the very, very beginning. And I'm sure you, you've had the same experience as well. But the more you do it, the more you you craft your your message, the more you hone your skills as a podcaster, whether you're doing an interview podcast or you're doing a narrative podcast, the the better you get and the more succinct and tight you get your messaging for folks in, in that audience, the better it's going to be. And just don't think about the downloads. Just think about if you can impact somebody with your message today, that should be enough to keep you going. So good. So much good stuff there. First of all, thank you so much for A, finding the podcast and B, your kind words about it. I'm glad it was helpful to you. Um, and that brings me kind of to where you closed as well, which is obviously this is a super niche topic that I've decided to take on. Mm -hmm. I have. So like, it's not like this is not a 10,000 streams and downloads kind of topic in general, right. at least not now. Mm -hmm. um, and that was never really that much of a concern for me. The only reason it's happening, like there's no monetization plan around it. A friend of mine offered to produce it for free. He has a podcast agency. He believed in me and this idea. Casey at, at Ringmaster was kind enough to say, hey man, you should do this and I'll make it easy for you to say, I'm going to do this. Um, and now I want to go back to like a, a good tip in there. And, and I want to tie it back to something you said about getting up to like maybe 10 or 12 different shows in cybersecurity this mm -hmm. discipline that I think I, that I'm inferring from what you said that you had to say, instead of roping in this topic and this topic and this topic and this topic all into this one podcast, because cybersecurity, right. you actually did nuanced versions uh, mm -hmm. so as not to fatten or broaden or cloud or water down or diffuse the essence of each one of those shows. Did I hear that correctly? That is correct, uh, because right, if you try to just jam everything into one stream, into one podcast, you might get folks that are like, oh, wow, that was such a great episode. Can't wait till the next week. And then all of a sudden, it's something very different. It's like, whoa, wait, what happened? I thought we were talking about personal growth and development, cybersecurity, and all of a sudden, we're talking about uh, malware analysis. Uh, so what we did in the, in the beginning was we did do tests, right? I'm a fan of testing before you over invest into something. And so we did incubate some of the earlier shows in the, the original show first. We wanted to say, hey, are, are people interested in hearing more topics, right? So we would do like little short seasons within the, the big podcast. And once we saw that there was, a, uh, there was a community for those, then we said, all right, we're going to spin these out into their own things. And then eventually we got confident enough, like, okay, we don't have to uh, incubate these in the bigger show anymore. Now we can invest and say okay we're going to plan out this entire show this is the audience this is the medium this is the the style uh, here's where we're going to push it here's the marketing for it 
and then uh, put it out into the world. And so, yeah, we started with incubating, which was a, a bit of a, of a cheat, if you want to call it that. But then uh, as time went on, we said, okay, we're going to create separate shows for this specific purpose. Really good. Any tips for people, uh, evangelists who are going to guest on shows? Uh, and you can take this from wherever you want, how to get onto shows, yeah. how to show up on shows, like any tips for people on the other side of the experience? Yeah, for sure. If you're an evangelist and you're, you're going to be on a show, I would have some stories in your back pocket, right? And they don't even necessarily have to be stories about you being an evangelist, but just having stories that might tie your reasoning behind being an evangelist or tie um, your experiences to what that podcast is about, right? Do a little bit of research on what this podcast is really about. What are some of the hit episodes that people are remarking about on social media and see what type of stories that they might be interested in. Because a lot of times what you'll, you'll find is that the people that are on the speaking circuit constantly, and, and I've been guilty of it myself because you don't want to come up with something brand new each and every time you go on a podcast. So you kind of retell stories, but what would be super uh, useful for you and for the, the podcast hosts is have some fresh stories that might tie to their audience a little bit better because the more memorable you are for the hosts, the more memorable you are for their audience, the more it might even be shared and, and project your instance and your impact in that uh, podcast a little further. Really good advice. I found that um, primarily as a guest, it's a really good place to test out messaging as well because it's like a, it's a little bit more of an open format. It's conversational. Right. Um, and uh, another fun thing that I always appreciate, and I'm not putting any pressure on you, Chris, uh, is, is it sometimes where the guest engages the host back and, and isn't exclusively following the lead, but is actually helping drive the conversation as well. And so in that format, as you're testing out stories to see if they connect and resonate, as mm -hmm. you're testing out a new way to describe something, uh, because again, the format is a little bit more open. You have a little bit more leeway than you do in other kind of one-way communication. You know, mm -hmm. you can ask for their feedback on that. Like, hey, did that, that land with you? That makes sense with you. And you could either do that in the conversation or afterward. Um, last thing here on podcasting, uh, the, again, it's a side road we haven't gone down and you yeah. have done a ton of it and I love it. So, and I think it's super relevant to evangelists. Um, the skills I find are transferable. Uh, in your own experience in guesting and hosting, um, A, do you agree? And B, if so, kind of how? Like this idea of getting comfortable in a podcast, in a com recorded conversational format uh, mm -hmm. lends itself to uh, a variety of other situations. It does, 100%. Uh, really, I honestly believe podcasting is a cheat code for life. There, I've learned so much about life that I didn't even realize that I was going to learn just through talking to different people. I think at this point, I think I've had maybe close to 500 or so interviews that I've conducted altogether. And you just kind of learn through osmosis. You won't remember a lot of faces, names. I mean, it's to the point now where if you brought somebody's name up, I, I could remember that they were on the podcast, but exactly what they were speaking about, it, it's hit or miss whether I remember what they, what it is. But Somewhere in the back of my subconscious is a lot of this information and I've changed by leaps and bounds. So then when you're, you're thinking about being on shows, you're, you're thinking about guesting, being a host, whatever it is, leverage that. You, utilize that. Take advantage of that opportunity to have deep conversations about things that you don't get to on a, on a usual basis. 
I think that's one of the coolest things about podcasting is that I've never been a fan of small talk. But uh, now that uh, I've been in, in podcasting, I know that that's like the cheat code for asking deep questions uh, about life, about careers and all that stuff. But it, it's funny that I've sort of learned how to translate that into just general conversations. Um, one of the, the best pieces of advice I've ever gotten is I, I, I hated small talk, just talking about the weather or, you know, you know, you know how's your, how old's your dog? Like information like that is, is interesting but it never got me out of bed. But someone said something that just kind of flipped the switch for me. And that was small talk is about creating a larger piece of Velcro that someone can stick to. And so instead of answering a question of, you know, where are you from? Like, oh, I'm from Atlanta, Georgia. All right, that's the end of that, you know, segment. Let's on to the next question. But if you said, oh, where are you from? Oh, I'm from Atlanta, Georgia, but I spent some time in the Marine Corps. So I traveled around a bit. I spent some time in Arizona. I went to uh, Maryland, after the Marine Corps, I went to Silicon Valley for a little bit. Now I reside in Texas. There's a lot of pieces that someone can tie themselves to. It, it, it might not even be the last thing you said. It might have been something in the middle. Like, oh, wow, you've been, you were in Silicon Valley. I've always wanted to have a stint in Silicon Valley. So just little nuances like that, little things about understanding how conversations work, I think would apply to anyone anywhere if you're coming from or coming from uh, podcasting. Hey, thanks for listening to Chief Evangelist. For so many reasons, podcasting is a great opportunity and channel for evangelism. If you've been thinking about a podcast or you want to shift production and promotion to a team that's especially evangelist friendly, check out ringmaster.com. Their Connect Engage Scale program is designed for evangelist-powered podcasting for software and tech companies in the growth stage. Again, you can learn more at ringmaster.com. They're also the team behind this podcast. Speaking of chief evangelists, let's get back to it. I love that Velcro analogy. It makes so much sense. Like that, it's just such a good one. I immediately knew exactly what you were saying yeah. uh, when you offered that. So smart. Uh, okay, and to ask now, to bring it back to Huntress a little bit in this new chief evangelist opportunity, because it's pretty fresh for you still. Um, you're just getting going. Um, yeah. Will you be hosting a podcast on behalf of Huntress? A hundred percent, yes. In fact, uh, the idea is to have two things. Uh, one is uh, we have this uh, partner that we work with. Uh, they're called Black Hill Security. And they have this really cool tabletop game that's almost like D&D &D for cybersecurity called Backdoors and Breaches. Uh, we're going to be doing a uh, weekly uh, live stream uh, together for that. And we're going to bring on different guests to kind of play almost like a critical role style. I don't know if you're familiar with that. But uh, and then on the other end, uh, I am going to be creating another podcast that's centered on small, medium sized businesses and what they can do to stand up against these larger threats like advanced persistent threats, nation state hackers, criminal hackers. And uh, right now, the working title is don't tell anybody. Obviously, everyone's going to know when they listen to this. But the uh, working title right now is uh, Big Trouble, Little Cyber. Love it. So fun. Great callback. Classic movie. Such a, such a fun one. Uh, if people haven't seen it, Big Trouble in Little China, you'll watch it yeah. and you'll say, I can't believe this was a movie. Like, <laughs> unless you grew great up story. with it, and then you're like, oh my gosh, what a great movie. Yeah, um, what a great movie. Yeah, it's, man, the special effects. Okay, what else, as, you were, as this role was being shaped, again, they had an idea about it, podcasting is part of it. I'm sure that was part mm -hmm. of the 
attraction to you as the person to fulfill all of their hopes and expectations that have been right. building as they were trying to find someone who had the credibility and authority in a in, with multiple people in multiple levels of a of a cybersecurity organization or company along with this kind of content creation connection community facilitator um you're obviously going to be doing a couple of podcasts what else did the kind of like core activity list look like as you were having this conversation, it was shaping up to be a real position you were about to jump into? Yeah, I, I would say a lot of that is going to be content creation, but we're going to be going on a road show. I'll be traveling around the country here for a little bit. Uh, very much uh, rock star slash uh, comedian style where we're hitting a few cities per week. Uh, so I'll get to, to work on my stand up a little bit, but uh, really just uh, traveling as far and as wide as I possibly can to reach as many folks as I can. I would, I think it was around the end of last year where I kind of, in my mind, uh, I set my own personal goal is, is that I want to affect the careers of a million cybersecurity practitioners, which is rather, whether that's in the very beginning of getting, helping them get into cybersecurity, helping them uh, figure out their way and stand out in cybersecurity or become a leader uh, in cybersecurity. So that that's kind of where my my personal North Star is. And so just being able to go around speaking to all these people, getting up on stage, doing keynotes, doing fireside chats, having executive roundtables, and then producing content. So I, I've always wanted to have conversations for a living. So now I get to do it. So good. This uh, this reminds me of uh, Brian Stallings, who I think was our guest on episode 21 from Lucid, where he had a personal mission to bring humanity back to the workplace and his role as chief evangelist at Lucid helps him fulfill his personal mission and, and the organization's mission just aligns so well. And I see that yep. here too. What was going on for you personally where you made that commitment to yourself or set that goal for yourself? Um, you seem probably like you're a goal-oriented person in general. Yeah. But but like when did, when did you say, you know what, I'm going to make that my personal mission or – I need a personal mission. What is it? Oh, it's that. Like, how did that come to be for you? Yeah. So long story uh, short, I, I'm a big believer in purpose, like figuring out what your purpose is. And uh, sometimes you have to go through great lengths to find it, whether it's talking to people, getting an executive coach, uh, reading books, but really fi figure out what it is that gets you out of bed and would drive you to, to the end of days. And what I found drove me the most was really being a part of other people's legacies, because I, I felt like I've been really fortunate in my in my life and my career is I've had a great life. If everything were to end tomorrow, you know, knock on wood that it doesn't, I could, you know, go out of this world knowing that I've had a really, really great run. But I don't want to have a great run and just that be at the end of it. I'd love to kind of set people on their path as much as I possibly can or even help people on their path as much as I possibly can. I, I believe that cybersecurity is a great field for a lot of folks. Number one, we have a big gap in uh, you know personnel power. Uh, so we need more people with skills. We need different uh, diver diverse ways of thinking into cybersecurity. So bringing more people into something that I hold near and dear to my heart is special to me. But then also, I mean, cybersecurity is a great way to make money and it's a great way to provide for families. And so I also believe that it's kind of a socioeconomic uh, equalizer, if you will. And so I think about all of these things. I think about how do I touch and, and, and inspire as many people as possible? How do I promote the, the, the field in which, you know, gave me uh, my, my shot? 
gave me my life, gave me the, the life that I live today. But then also, like, how do I use that in an altruistic way? How do I make everything better, all wrapped up into one? And that's that's my purpose. That's so wonderful. I really appreciate that. And so uh, so you're hitting the road in order to start the quest to a million. Well, you've already you're already on the quest. You're already on the quest. Yeah, yeah, but, um, yeah it started a little while ago. But. Yeah, of course. <laughs> um, so uh, how like these events? How are you all thinking about which ones? Because I would assume that there are a number of different things you could do, um, a number of rooms you could get into, a number of you know virtual and in-person things you could do. How are you or how is Huntress thinking about which events to get you involved in? Yeah, we're actually going through that exercise right now. There are a bunch of events that they've always kind of done um, throughout their years of, of doing events. Uh, there are events that they don't know about yet that I do because I've been in a very different circle altogether. So it's going to be a combination of the two, figuring out which are the events that has paid dividends for them in the past, which ones have they pretty much, you know, rang the, the juice out of, but then also what are the ones that I could bring to the table and kind of connect the dots between the two. Really good. Uh, really specific, practical, technical question. Mm -hmm. I don't know if it's technical. Um, <laughs> how do you report, like, how do you report in kind of, how are you what does success look like? Is it is it a trust-based environment or is it get in front of X number of people or is it produce, you know, Y amount of, you know, content pieces? Like what, how are you structured in the organization and how do, mm -hmm. how formal is that arrangement? Yeah, it, I wouldn't say it's super formal right now. I report to the chief revenue officer. Uh, there was talk about potentially moving me over to marketing. Um, so we're just kind of riding the wave on that. But how I'm looking at sort of measuring success uh, is kind of twofold. Of course, it's trust-based. You know, they, they believe that I'm a professional. I'm going to, you know, do my work. But one thing that I've really found uh, beneficial in the past, because uh, with Hacker Valley, we've worked with, you know, marketing teams in cybersecurity. And one of my favorite metrics to ever measure, and this is usually like a brand-centric uh, metric, is uh, aided recall. So whenever you do a survey of like, hey, how many uh, or which of these vendors uh, supports small and medium-sized businesses with cybersecurity operations? You get a list of uh, different uh, companies and the person checks the boxes of the folks that they know does that thing. And so whenever you can move the needle on aided recall, a lot of folks, you know, they come in, maybe they're doing something at like 10%. Ugh, you know, one out of 10 folks set up, they do that thing and I know they do. The more you can move that needle to the middle, right? If you could get to the point where you're at 50%, now you're, you're cooking with grease because people know what you do. They know who you are. They know the brand. So that's one of the things that I'm really going to measure is like, how far can I push aided recall? And then woof, when we get really good, how far can we push unaided recall? Like who does small and medium-sized business security operations? If people with a blank space write down Huntress, then I know I'm doing well. Really good. I love that measure. Um, and it creates this, um, it, it matches to this idea of get in front of as many people as possible with your unique background and personality with meaningful stories that are appropriate for the audience, have that resonate with people. And even if they're not in the market to buy or subscribe or whatever, you're still leaving a meaningful impact and that person could become a customer in the future or could introduce three people to, to Huntress potentially. Exactly. And so I, I like that as a uh, kind of a master metric overall. Um, 
to the marketing piece and the idea of reporting into marketing, and I guess I'm going to, um, I slightly already biased it a little bit with the way that I spoke to your unique personality going into the content, but obviously there's a marketing team in place already. Mm-hmm. Obviously they already have some kind of a charge. It's not probably aided and unaided recall, um, but they're producing a bunch of content. Uh, again, at the risk of asking the obvious or asking you to preach to the choir, um, what's different about an evangelist making this content than say a a marketing team that's already producing some of this stuff, air quotes stuff. Yeah. I mean, but that's, what's the the beautiful part. I guess somebody could come in and say, Oh, I'm the chief evangelist. I'm going to own this metric. But what I said to the CMO is I want to co-own this metric with you. So whether it's me helping you with content, supporting you with content, supporting you with the perspective of a practitioner or a leader in this space, I want to continue to give you information. Uh, you could even take uh, time you know, away from the stuff that I'm doing so I can help you with your stuff. Uh, but I think it's all going to go to the same place. It's like one team, one fight, right? We say that in the Marine Corps. So really... It's going to be about how do we come together, both the chief evangelist and the all on the marketing side, to extend that aided recall uh, metric into a place where we really, really feel like we're, we're we're hitting the ground running with that type of stuff. So I would say that of course there's going to be stuff that they do that's completely separate from me that's going to help with uh, aided recall, and there's going to be stuff that I do that's uh, completely separate from them. But I would say that. Whenever you can find ways to work as a team with another organization within the org, that's that's where you really start to make some magic happen. Because, I mean, we could do it on our own as chief evangelists, but the more we can work with our marketing teams, the more we can work with our executives, even the whole company, right? Maybe uh, you take time out of your, your busy schedule, do something internal, right? Maybe show everyone how, how what are some of your tenants for doing a presentation? How do you tell stories, right? When you're in uh, a pitch or how do you tell stories if you're, you're going to market to someone by, you know, having that, that interaction inside and outside of the company as a chief evangelist and being able to, to leave a good impression. Can't beat that. I love it. I also appreciate so much your, um, your openness to an awareness of the opportunity to take some of your unique skills and to, to provide that as internal training for the, for the appropriate audiences. Um, in your mind, or to the degree that you're familiar already, how much education do you think you'll have to do internally for people to have any idea what it is that you do around here as an evangelist? Because again, you, you, you're a valuable resource that they've invested in, again, not just mm-hmm. for the market at large, but for the team internally. Uh, something I've heard in a number of these conversations has been, yeah, and then I realized I had to teach everybody what evangelism is. Like, right. is, are you in that zone right now? Yeah, for sure. Uh, and I know I'm going to have to do it. Uh, before this position, I was the creative director, which is not uh, not a position that's in most cybersecurity vendor organizations. So uh, I had to kind of teach folks about that position. And I know I'm going to have to teach folks about this position because, you know, I'm meeting folks. You know, oh, so what do you do? Chief evangelist. What is that? You know, so what what I'd love to do is once I I pretty much have my my at least my next three to six month strategy kind of written down is to do a, a brown bag session where anyone that's really curious about what I'm going to do, what what is my plan, what is my focus, what can people expect from me? How could people uh, interact with me or even help? <clears throat> How can I help other people? 
just have a brown bag session of, hey, this is what I'm here to do. This is my plan. Would love your help if you're able to help. This is how I think I can help everyone else. But just to really just give everyone the context, because what you don't want to happen is you're, you're doing work, you're doing all this great stuff, but then someone just doesn't know what you're doing. And then so when it's kind of out of sight, out of mind, they either just forget about you, which is pretty bad, or they don't think you're doing anything, which is worse. So really being able to communicate what you're doing is going to be important for any chief evangelist. Yeah, very good. And I like this brown bag session concept. Um, in part two, this is what I can help you with. These are some of the ways that I can help you. This is who I can help. These are some of the things I maybe don't do. Um, so, so that you, so that you wind up being tasked in about the right way, in a way that's consistent with your own vision, as well as that of the people who, uh, who gave you this opportunity as you were evaluating whether or not, um, let's just set the company aside, just mm -hmm. focus. Well, it's never mind. I'm asking the impossible here. I think, um, when you when you were thinking about this opportunity, right? You're in an initial conversation. You know, we've been looking for an evangelist. You seem to, you know, fit the bill. Um, you know, we really respect you and your work. We like your, you know, your background, your production values, all these things. Um, what were some of your hesitations um, or some curiosities where you really needed some clarity or some affirmation as you were deciding whether or not this was the next right step for you? Um, and you were doing your research, maybe talking with people, um, yeah. listening to podcast episodes and whatever else was in that research phase. Like, mm -hmm. what were some of your concerns or hesitations or points where you're like, I need to be more clear about this before I can confidently move forward? Yeah, I would say one of the things I'm sure this is something that most chief evangelists are, are wrestling with today is the name itself, right? Chief evangelist. And we had a conversation a few weeks ago about uh, do you add to the chief evangelist name? Do you say chief evangelist slash advisory CISO, right? Do, do you give additional context for folks or do you just double down with chief evangelist? I think for the moment right now, I'm just going to double down on the, the word uh, chief evangelist because I think it is something that is going to become more important as we move into this realm of everyone is creating content, right? You just had, uh, I think it was Jonathan on talking about content that how every organization is going to have to create content, right? Owned media. And so I think that the more that people are doing that, the more I think they're going to realize they need someone that can speak really eloquently to the people that you're trying to reach. And that's going to look like the chief evangelist role. Uh, I would say that was probably the main thing that I was kind of, kind of curious about. And then the other thing I'm kind of curious about is that in the future, where does a chief evangelist go from here, right? Do you just be a chief evangelist forever and for different organizations? Is there uh, a change or, or transformation that needs to occur? I don't know. That's something I'm still thinking about. I don't know if you had any thoughts there. Yeah, really interesting. Um, I have wondered that openly. When I look back at the guest list on this podcast, and we're only, I forget what number this is going to be, but let's just say 26, 27, 28, 29, somewhere in that range. Mm -hmm. So a couple dozen people, and at least a few of them aren't chief evangelists anymore. And wow. I look at myself, you know, a dozen years almost at the same company, four and a half of them in a chief evangelist position, you know, whenever my next move is, is it? Event, head of evangelism or chief evangelist or something at another company, or right. is it something else altogether? And that was part of the career risk. Um, I talked about this. I know I talked about this on episode four with Sangram Vajray uh, when I 
asked him like, cause I told him my story of shifting from VP mm -hmm. marketing, where I had two teams reporting to me, everyone's hiring someone to, to grow and build and manage and improve a marketing team. Right. Not everyone's hiring an evangelist. And so I was Very like, true. I felt like it was a career risk at the time. What do you think about that Sagram? And he was like, I can just, I can see his face right now as I'm describing it. It has a risk, you yeah. know? Um, uh -huh. And so that's, it's a super interesting question. One we haven't had yet. I'm, I'm thinking about a future format for these, um, these episodes where I maybe mix in every, you know, five, 10 episodes, a conversation where I get, you know, two or three or four of us together to kind of kick around um, a, a topic like that, probably a right. shorter episode, but with multiple voices in it to explore. Yeah. Where does this go? Yeah, because uh, there there is no real career path. One, it's a C level title. Mm -hmm. Two, and we've had this conversation as well. Um, and and I love that Huntress was so patient in finding someone that that fits both of these. Um, you know, practitioner understands it, also really good at all of the communication. Let's just bucket them all as communication skills right. that make an evangelist really good. Um, I've seen people taken with really good communication skills and assigned to this and kind of learning and building the kind of credibility authority side. I've also seen someone get appointed for their credibility, authority, empathy. I've been in your shoes before right? with the patience of knowing that those communication skills will grow over time as you kind of like flex them a little bit and get more diligent about developing those skills. And so it's interesting to wonder where that goes. I don't have an answer for you either. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's 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 an interesting place to be. I wouldn't trade it for the world. Even I'm the type of guy that even if everything were to go south, and you know, it, you know, we're gonna outlaw, you know, chief uh, chief evangelists because we just don't need them here in the United States or even in the world. Uh, I still think that just being a chief evangelist ever, and you know, and having this opportunity to really speak and connect with people, our job is really to connect with people, to tell stories, to understand what they're going through. And then they convey that information, right? You talk about on your podcast all the time, inside out and outside in, and just being able to sit between those two worlds and just really just take in all the information, all the learnings, the wisdom of different people, the challenges of folks having that empathy. I mean, there, to me, there isn't a better place to be. So as long as I can do stuff like this, it, it's all, it almost seems like I'll never work another day in my life. So good. I can, I connect with everything you just shared there. I, it was, it was foregone when Steve, uh, my CMO at the time, my longtime friend um, said, I think we need a chief evangelist. And I think you're the chief evangelist. So I was like, all right, let's do it. Like it wasn't even, yeah. I knew that it was a risk, but I didn't even like weigh it. It was like, of course I want to do this mm -hmm. uh, for a variety of reasons. And um, I think one of the, um, one of the skills that I've developed and I already always kind of had this, but it's even more so in a role that's this kind of loose in general um, is the ability to uh, the, the unique intersection of manufacturing your own work, prioritizing mm -hmm. your own work and prioritizing the requests of all of these other people. That's why that internal right. communication piece of who I can help and how um, mm -hmm. and, and creating some reasonable expectations around that is so critical because so many of the personality types, um, and, and then I'll give it back to you to let me know if you're one of these people and how you think about it. Um, a lot of the people um, that I've talked with around this are, yes, yes, yeah. I would love to do that. Yes, I right. would love to help. Yes, I can do that. Um, and then it's just this ability to manufacture and constantly edit, 
resort, prioritize your own work in a world where your goal is to help a million people. That can look mm-hmm. a lot of different ways. It's super wide open. It's crazy ambitious. And you don't really want to say no to anything. Um, do you have that concern for yourself? I have a huge concern for myself with that. I'm a huge yes man. I just I just love showing up for people. That's one of my favorite things. In fact, I was just the earlier today, I was trying to leverage uh, or trying to weigh the viability of me going from uh, California to Hawaii and back in time to meet some engagement. And I was just like, that's just not going to be, this is not going to be doable. And I want to say yes, so, so bad. But the other thing that's really important for me, and I think a lot of other chief evangelists out there is that we do want to help people as much as possible. And so we're, that's our, our go-to is yes. And what I'm trying to, to instill in myself is, is first say no, right? Because there's an opportunity cost when you say yes to something, you're saying no to maybe a thousand different things. And so what I'm trying to like just bake into my mind, just kind of like slow roll myself is like, hey, just don't sign up for everything. Figure out what is the most important thing that you can do to push your goals forward, right? Think about that first. Like if, if you're going to sacrifice your mission in order to just make someone feel good, that that's not going to be good for anybody. And also, if you overextend yourself, and you and you you sign up for this talk, you sign up for that talk, and you give everyone 25% of what you usually could bring at 100%, that's not going to be good for anyone either. Um, I learned that through through coaching. And because I always felt bad for saying no to things. And she said, Do you think that they would feel bad? knowing that you are not at 100% and you're not going to give them the best performance you possibly can because you're burnt out when they could have gotten someone else that couldn't be at 100%. So I mean, that's a really good point. That's a really good point. So I'm constantly trying to remind myself that I don't have to do everything. I just have to do the things that I pick and choose and say I'm going to do the best I possibly can. Yeah, really good. It also triggers for me the um, Eisenhower decision matrix. Mm -hmm. Uh, In terms of keeping room and some flexibility in there is the um, not urgent, but important. Um, right. and, in that work, I, I, that's like, in terms of this whole manufacturing my own work and managing my own, uh, and editing and restacking things. Um, that one is one that has always been a bit of a struggle because, mm-hmm. you know, if I have an opportunity to get in front of a customer account in, or, you know, two months before their renewal, where it's either going to be a contraction or an expansion, um, right. that's a yes, like that's an yeah. urgent and important, but like this, yep. this, important, not urgent. I have like Mm -hmm. four or five of those on my own backlog right now um, that I know I'll get to, but if I keep filling it up with all these little things, um, the days go by, the weeks go by, and I haven't made any progress on these things. So that's a, that's a question. Any other advice for people like you who either find themselves being um, uh, recruited into an evangelist role or perhaps who aspire to the role Based on your learnings to date, any advice for people who aspire to the role or who are finding themselves one step out of it, ready to step into it? Yeah, I would say have conversations. Just have constant conversations and and network, but not for the sake of networking, not to, not for some end uh, that you're trying to meet, but network to genuinely connect with people. Because I think being a chief evangelist at the end of the day is about connecting with people through story, through experiences, through uh, human to human interaction. Um, I, I think that if anyone is looking to be a chief evangelist and they have this very egocentric mindset, like, oh, I just want to be the star. I want to be on stage. I want the glitz, the glam. 
Uh, I, I don't think your, your days as a chief evangelist is going to be very long or that great because being a chief evangelist is really caring about people and, and people can sense that, right? I, I think humans have this innate ability to tell when someone's trying to BS them. So come in with authenticity, come in with your experiences, have conversations, get good at telling stories, and uh, you'll be a chief evangelist in no time. I love it. I I just want to double down on what you said there about humans being able to detect sincerity. Mm-hmm. They know when you mean it and when you don't. I think that sincerity piece it has been critical. Um, I think I also infer from what you said a sense of humility. Um, and I think that's naturally attractive to people as well. Um, And so I think in this world where so many of our experiences are increasingly digital, Mm -hmm. very often faceless at this point now, you know, machine generated, it's always been that way to some degree, but it's very often been human generated machine driven. But in this case, it's machine generated machine driven. Mm -hmm. Where are we going to go to find that voice that we trust? Where are we going to go to get filled back up with a little bit of life? Where are we going to go when I can trust that someone has my back? And I think that's why the evangelist role is uh, much, much more popular in conversation than it was even two years ago. Mm -hmm. um, For all the reasons you just shared, Chris, fun question for you before we wind this thing down. What is something you find yourself evangelizing in your own personal life? Ooh, speaking of uh, machine-generated things, I, I'm a big proponent of uh, AI and uh, generative AI, whether you're talking about art, you're talking about things like chat GPT. I know people are probably sick of it, and they're probably turning off your podcast right now because they're, they're tired of hearing about it. But I do believe that uh, AI is really going to enable people to do a lot more with less. And I, I talk about that all the time. Um, people are afraid of uh, AI taking their jobs. I don't think that's a huge concern, but I do think that someone with AI, AI will take your job. If you let them kind of do all the learning, they figure out all the stuff and and you just kind of like leave it alone because you think it's some type of, uh, some type of gimmick or, or a fad. AI is here. It's here to help leverage it, use it. Um, I, I, I I'm not sponsored by uh, open AI or anything like that, but I spent 20 bucks for the 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 premium version of uh, GPT is the best 20 bucks I spend. So yeah, AI. Love it. And I want to tie that back to where you started, which is when you partner up with these machines, it needs to be consistent with a point of view and a purpose and some intent. It needs mm-hmm. to be aligned in uh used with some particular audience and some particular outcome in mind. And Mm -hmm. if you as the human are the filter for what that machine is generating and what that machine generates and how that reaches other people, it's a perfect partnership. Does that sound about right to you? Sounds about right. Just remember, like, don't let the machine do all the work for you. You still have to have the human, the story, you have to set up the structure and maybe even filter, right? Because sometimes it puts out stuff that sounds like it's machine generated. So use that as a launch point, but don't use it as the end all be all for your content. Love it. This has been an absolute joy. I appreciate you so much, Chris. I'm so glad we connected. The podcast is why that happened. Again, glad we were able to spend a little bit of time there and was able to get some of your expertise on the topic. For folks who've enjoyed this, where can they connect with you, learn more about you, your work, Huntress, Hacker Valley, or anything else? To connect with me, I would say uh, the best place is probably LinkedIn. Uh, That's my home away from home. 
uh, for all the Hacker Valley stuff, the content that we produce, HackerValley.com. We're also on YouTube and any of the uh, podcast platforms. Uh, you can find our many shows on there. And then for Huntress is uh, Huntress.com if you're looking for some solutions for security operations for uh, IT. Awesome. I appreciate you continued success in your mission. I'm glad we could have this conversation. Thanks, Ethan. Looking forward to another one. That wraps up this episode of Chief Evangelist. Thank you for joining us. And thanks to Ringmaster Conversational Marketing for helping bring these episodes to you. With any thoughts or questions about the Chief Evangelist role, message me on LinkedIn. I'm Ethan Butte, E-T-H-A-N-B-E-U-T-E. For show notes and more of these conversations, visit chiefevangelist.com.